Welcome to the second episode of Human Pod. I'm Rahmat, and thank you for listening. Uh, today we're joined by two award-winning creative directors. Uh, one is Sebastian Putze and Satyan Adikari. Hopefully, I pronounced that correctly, Satyan. Okay, and of course, another award-winning experience designer, Amit Kulkarni. Uh, although he's joining us not for the source, but as a Human Pod co-host. Uh, maybe Amit, you want. To do some introduction, hey, Amit. <laughs> sure, yeah, uh, thanks, thanks for uh, you know setting this up, and uh, I've had the pleasure of working with uh, Sebastian uh, at uh, you know, when he was a creative director at um, Impact Proximity, mm-hmm. and I remember having like the most grueling forty-eight hours in one campaign where we practically survived on coffee, and <laughs> cigarettes, and food, and it was one of the most interesting times that I spent at uh, Proximity. Yes. Uh, so uh, yeah. <laughs> there was money. That's what I remember the most because it was like 48 hours non-stop break. And I think I started hallucinating at that point. And maybe I said, <laughs> I, need to, I need to try some, uh, you know, real, uh, you know, psychedelics to you know, enhance this experience as well. It was really nice. You know, <laughs> you sleeping and everything around you starts to like, you know, blur and, uh, you know, things need to like water. It was, it was fantastic. And uh, Satyan, yes, I've I've known him for almost like uh, you know 15 years, and he's been a very old friend of mine, and I know his wife Pallavi mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. We've been together. So, yeah. uh, so mm-hmm. I'm setting this up, uh, Satyan. Uh, it's great. Say again? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So today's topic, we will be discussing about the world of advertising, as we know, the past, present, and future. Um, so yesterday, I rewatched Mad Men again, and there was this one scene where John Hamm met a pitch uh it was super simple so he thought of something then he proposed it to the client uh i'm not sure if that's a good reference for uh, the past advertising uh, industry but fast forward to, for, to today that kind of process can be considered as heretic uh, for today's standard right i mean the last pitch that i had required extensive data research not only from the client repository but the social media and what do the netizens are thinking is important um, since we don't want to tarnish the brand image. So yeah, um, I'll let Seb and Satyan pick up my first question, So, which is, how has the advertising industry changed today as compared to a few years back, and why? Maybe from Seb or Satyan? Um, I've been advertising for now around uh, 20, 20 odd years, maybe a little mm-hmm. bit more. I didn't start off in advertising. I started off uh, as a graphic designer working mm-hmm. with uh, uh, a teen magazine. Oh, okay. In, uh, Bombay. And then between the, my last job in Bombay was with uh, .com. It was basically, uh, yeah, .com and it was a contest portal that later evolved into experiential, uh, you know, marketing. Mm-hmm. And all. this was in 2000. I finished up in Mumbai, in Mumbai in 2004. I see. I came to Dubai in 2004, so 16th year in Dubai. So mm-hmm. even then and now, so uh, I didn't have a lot of exposure to advertising per se in Mumbai. All my exposure to advertising has probably happened in Dubai, where mm-hmm. I was exposed. I worked. I've been with Ogilvy. I've been with JWT, and I was with uh, my uh, last agency, which is the partnership, which is a classic partnership, which is part of uh, VML YNR. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so I have like seen, uh, of course, there have been like uh, lots of changes and the Mad Men example, I think is, I think what I realized over time 
is obviously when you're a junior creative, you see things very differently. And then mm-hmm. as you sort of go up the ladder, you become a you know senior creative, creative director. Your perspective changes. I mean, it has to change. I mean, there has there is then you have there's a consideration of like the business side of things and the creative side of things. You uh-huh. can't just be one. Why is this creative idea? Why can't the client just buy this or why can't the agency just sell this? It's completely you know the as you there is that kind of bit of maturity that kind of comes into play. But while that has happened, uh, you know the world around us has. I'll give you a very simple. Example. I mean, in terms of you ask me, why has it changed? Um, Amit probably can relate to this. When we were children, I mm-hmm. used to, uh, you know, I, obviously I had toys. I had toys. We used to like. I had those GI Joe figures. I had these Matchbox toy cars uh-huh. and uh, those Masters of the Universe figures. Uh-huh. And the I remember, I, and I wish I had kept those and not opened those, and they would probably be worth a lot today. But my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Them all away. But the point I'm trying to make is I remember the quality of those uh, toys. Uh-huh. The, the to- quality was like top notch. Even like buying those in India at whatever price, that time I guess it was expensive. Not everybody could afford those. Uh-huh. And you get similar kind of stuff today, possibly all, uh, you know, made in China, you know, but lo- lots of it. I mean, mm-hmm. I have seen action figures now versus action figures then. I mean, it's absolute crap. You know, the stuff mm-hmm. I actually. Because when I go and try and buy those for my son, I actually look at it, look at the price on that, and I wonder, is it really worth worth it? You know, is it really worth mm-hmm. getting him like uh, something for the uh, you know, twenty twenty five dollars for like uh-huh. a action figure uh-huh. that he's going to get bored of in like five minutes and like you know throw it away? Uh-huh. The quality of that, it's really it's really dipped, dipped. and I think uh, the point I'm going to make is that actually holds true for anything and everything that uh, has happened as like. Uh, you know, economies have grown and uh, like, spending power has increased. Brands have started like churning out uh, products and services. Like you know, there's so many. There's like you need like one thing. There are like some 500 options. It's the overabundance of things. Like oh, yeah, just... the overabundance of things and mm. not everything is high quality. Earlier, mm. you know, you. I don't think when I was I wasn't really exposed to. I don't remember even as a kid really being fascinated by advertising as such because in India I think the markets opened up really late and we only had exposure to like marketing uh, advertising in uh, you know local news channels and things like that nothing too fancy but I still remember some of those commercials because there was something about them that uh, you know even if it was a catchy slogan or something I still remember those today and although slow that you give a madman madman example uh, you know I don't remember in the last Ten years, anyone coming up with like a slogan that is worth remembering, you know, there are no more just do it. There is no more thing. Uh, you know, like that is because uh, I think I, I don't know. I'm sure you guys saw that. Uh, did you see that uh, video that was going around with all those uh, COVID-19 um, commercials, which everything looks the same? That edit that was like going around. I think it's American. Uh, it's an American film where someone's taken the uh, Cut like lots of like uh, commercials that were going on at the same time. Everything is saying the same, exactly the same thing. Uh-huh. They're, they're all for different products. There's no nothing similar about the products, but they're all saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Just that they're all they're all very new. They just all came out and they all had the the same format. Same, the, the same, same format. format same same, format, same uh, copy. Same kind of imagery. They all you know. It's it's all all all, all the same. So the thing is, uh, I think as everything has got commoditized and as like, you know, economies have tried to expand, advertising is a subset of our lives, really. 
So if when brands are trying to churn, 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 advertising, advertising is trying to churn as well. Uh, trying to, of, uh, you know, everyone wants that. Everybody's uh, trying to get that uh, piece of attention and everybody's yeah, trying And to the thing is the fact that like, I'm telling you, I mean, I know for a fact that, and this is just being a bit of like, I consider myself to be a bit of a pragmatic purist. So I, I'm creative, but at the same time, I understand the practicalities of a business. But I think uh, it's slowly, I mean, I know creative people will try hard to push back, but I think uh, ever since when you work with a large holding company agency, I think the skew towards like the business side of things or making money for, you know, obviously you're a listed company, you have like your priorities, you have commitments to, you know, shareholders, you have commitments to clients. So that uh, has really made a big difference. So the quality of advertising, I think, has dipped severely, mm -hmm. irrespective of like every now and then you're seeing some pieces of work. There's no consistency in that kind of work coming out anymore because it's being churned out. There is no, no one's really thinking, or no one's got, really got that time to, uh, you know, do justice to uh, a piece of work as much as they used to. And obviously mm -hmm. that has to go with even the attention span of like the people you're trying to sell to. Nobody's got that time to spend on mm -hmm. communication. And on top of that, if your communication all looks the same, it mm -hmm. really, the brand. I was working doing a project for a brand in between, and we it was a TV commercial that we were working on. It was for uh, uh, it's it was for tea, and the client was obviously only concerned. It's a, they're paying for it. They're paying for a thirty-second commercial, and they're only concerned for about the five, first five seconds. Ah, uh, no, it's okay. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. That's important. But like, mm -hmm. if the product if the product comes through in the first like, you know, this is what research shows, and this is what data shows. And for a creative person to really sort of fathom that is difficult because uh -huh. you actually always see. Like, I understand why they're doing it. Obviously, there is data that actually from uh, YouTube and like you know uh, Instagram and all where they need to actually uh, do that because that's what's been sold to them in mm -hmm. terms of. But, and you know, honestly, my the video is playing on my screen for five seconds, and I'm looking away. But that counts as a view. I mean, that's all they're looking at. They're not really looking at uh, just numbers. The number is not the quality of the view. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, that, but I think that's what's happened. I mean, I know we're going, we're going to be talking about data and a lot of those other things later on. But I just feel advertising is commoditized now. It's not really. Yes, there is there is still a conversation about creativity, and there is there are people who actually still are sort of trying to fight the good fight. But I think that balance has gone for a toss. And I think creativity at the expense of business is obviously not the right thing to do. That's not what advertising is about. But uh -huh. it's going completely the other way. And, uh, you know, um, and that's again, every market is different. So I mean, UAE, I think the market is so small. So I think something happens, like what's happening right now, I think the repercussions of that are much faster and much more evident than say in like India, where, you know, it's a huge market. So a very television heavy market. So brands would still, there would be a lot of uh, communication still happening. There would be still uh, people invest, brands investing in, uh, you know, media. Um, I'm sure the US might be uh, different as well. And, you know, it's much, much larger market. So I think every market, every demographic, I think also uh, deals with things differently. But honestly, other than the work that you see every now and then that's like genuinely good, you still feel that, oh, I wish I had like thought about that. That is happening less and less now. You know, there's not much see, like, uh, yeah. uh, not, you know, we, it's not how things used to be. I don't know if uh, Sebastian, agrees. Yeah. I know Sebastian primarily more from like, uh, 
from a, from the digital side of things. But even if you just talk about creativity in general, I think there's definitely been like a, a dip. And the dip, I think, is because the priorities are not the same as they used to be uh -huh. in the mad days. You know. Yes. 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 Uh, that's true. But I know this uh, because I know a lot of like senior people probably have like lost their jobs in advertising, and I follow this guy called George Tanbin who was, uh, I think, copy chief and ECD at Ogilvy, New York. And he is the guy who was, who's built, uh, done all, most of the work, almost all of the work on IBM, you know? And now I think he's in his sixties now and I follow him on LinkedIn every day. He puts up like a video and he's, he, uh, I follow his blog and he's uh, slamming advertising left, right and center, but he's slamming the holding company culture of what it's done to advertising not creativity, but what it's done to what's happened to advertising, how it's got commoditized, just like everything else has. So uh -huh. clients are wanting things in a certain way. Uh -huh. not, there's no expectation in the kind of products that they're making. Uh -huh. you know, every bar of soap or every washing powder is doing exactly the same thing. But the uh -huh. is, you know, creative agency, you make it different. You know? uh -huh. But you don't want the effort into making your product unique, but you would rather make that somebody else's problem. And then the agency tries to, you know, figure out how that is possible. And then that's a creative problem or the strategy uh, that has to be unique. But when everything is in the world of sameness and abundance, I don't know, how do you bring in that differentiation when there is really, if you really think about it, there isn't any. Okay. So I have a follow-up question uh, on that regard, but I just want, you know, to know what Sebastian is thinking. What do you think, Seth? Um, so he made a couple of uh, really good points. Um, the, the first one was the um, advertising as a, as a commodity. Um, yes, the abundance of, of products gets um, bigger and bigger. Um, everybody's trying to, to sell more of, of the same, whether it's the, the light version or whether it's the, um, the one with the crunches or it's, uh, the one that's um, differently packed. Um, it's it's a very tough uh, competition. Whether whether you're talking about FMCG or whether you're in in finance services, you need to be on the top of their game. You need to to be able to to promote something new and um, have people talk about it. the um, The biggest influence for me is um, social media, mm. because suddenly you have not only there's the magnitude of different brands talking about um, all their novelties and it becomes um, more of the, the same. But with uh, social media, suddenly you have not uh, the, uh, the five, ten, hundred uh, people you're actually asking for an opinion, but you had uh, the entire globe sharing what they think all the time, every second of the day. And as a brand, uh, imagine suddenly you're, it gets uh, overrun by positive um, feedback or negative or something in between and you don't know what to do. So you're going in more into, into testing. And yes, we're going to talk about data and all of that uh, in a bit. But um, what it does is um, it takes the stage away. Um, you mentioned um, Madman earlier. Uh -huh. I think at that time you had your 
you've um, standard channels. Um, you had your radio, you had your print, you had your TV, mm -hmm. you had your posters, um, and uh, a little bits around the side. And um, people didn't have that much distraction. And uh, yes, it was um, something that was almost useful. It was sometimes packaged in a, in a really nice way. Um, but there was a stage. Now, um, and for the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years, uh, uh, the advertising industry had to chase after people. Um, suddenly, it's, uh, there was uh, Snapchat. Um, and um, the, the first brand said, oh my God, we have to be on Snapchat as well. And we have to, to they were constantly following, 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 mm -hmm. following. Um, trying to, to uh, first of all, understand what the platform actually does, what mm -hmm. the platform is for, um, and then disregarding it and using uh, pretty images to, to place it there. So it's, yeah. um, in that environment, you can never be special. You, you don't have any, any chance to, um, to be heard or understood or embraced, even with uh, the best uh, piece of copy. Um, I think that's the it's the biggest change, and um, I'm I'm curious about uh, everybody's opinions later of uh, what the what the future of uh, of the industry holds. But um, the the importance of a single message, the importance of a single word, has completely dim uh, diminished. Um, it's not important, and yeah. uh, that's why when it comes to, to uh, attention span. Yeah, um, five seconds. I think you're already it's, uh, concentrating hard on on something. I, I do the same. Um, if it doesn't hit you in the face right from the get go, then uh -huh. uh, that um, for for brands, for companies who do advertising, it's always been and will always be about uh, maximizing their ROI and selling more and um, the whole creative aspect within advertising. I think we, we had a phase where we um, became very vain about what we do and uh, it was con and it was, that was hardly ever important uh -huh. to the people we're, we're selling to. Nobody gave a shit about um, what awards uh, and a, um, a piece of work won. Um, it was about selling and um, now it becomes more and more about selling, but uh, on a very, very competitive uh, market. So. Yeah. I mean, exponential in the way that you're saying where, you know, it's like you have this one person and he's been shouted with like 50 mics, just like how it happens where, you know, someone is trying to get that person's attention and everyone is trying to get the same kind of attention from not just five or 10, but like 50 channels. And everybody wants to please that one person. It's never going to happen. It, it, it yeah, was a beautiful, there was a beautiful deck done by Widen Padidi, uh, How to Not Fail, um, mm -hmm. a couple of years back. And um, the, the key outtake is you're not fighting for attention, you're fighting against indif uh, indifference. And that's exactly mm -hmm. your point. It's um, somebody who drinks Coke also drinks Pepsi. Um, and uh, there is no such thing as your customer. Um, or or your audience. So yeah, yeah, I see. So the you know, Satya was talking about how creativity is dipping, right? So, but that again, my question would be: 
is it dipping or is it changing to a different format? Because we see, let's say, the one dollar shave clubs, and also there's another phenomenon called uh, no brand. So I think no brand came out three or four years back, and then it was um, pretty successful. And in terms of uh, how they promote their brand and things like that, uh, the way that I see this is my only my 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 only my opinion is that people doesn't want a uh, manipulative um, slogan anymore. Let's say just do it, or maybe uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, what 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 what, what uh, catchphrase right? But then again, they want something more sincere. I mean, that's why YouTubers or influencers is now are uh, people are all going to that direction, right? Is that is this correct? What what do you think about that? No, I think uh, you're you're probably uh, right about that because I don't think there's any room for that. There there is room for that sort of behavior from a uh-huh. brand. Uh huh. Because looking from the brand, uh-huh. whether that needs to encapsulated in a single slogan or it is something that can keep evolving uh-huh. or there is no slogan that is perfect but i think what you need what consumers are looking for is probably sincerity genuine uh-huh. sincerity and consistency from a brand uh-huh. and not like the sort of hollow mentality is like you know trying to be something that you're uh-huh. not uh-huh. like somebody wants to get on to the lgbtq bandwagon because everybody else is and brands tend to do that uh-huh. they want to jump to something that is popular whether it's like sort of uh, relevant to them or not uh-huh. but it's because it's popular to the people, you just sort of ditch whatever it is that you're all about and you want to jump onto something that's because everybody else is talking about it. Now, every brand yeah, it's like the FOMO, the fear of missing out. You don't want to miss I out. They do that, brand. but not every brand can do it well and I don't think every brand really needs to, but then that is like uh, the individual uh, brand's choice because none of them naturally lend them. They should, they should concentrate on doing what they do and do that well instead uh. of trying to mean a lot of things for different people because that's because that's what people are you know that's what their consumer they think is doing so yeah no i agree i mean creativity is not going anywhere it's getting repurposed what repurposed, i was yes, trying yes. to say was creative uh, creativity in the traditional uh, side of things even if it's digital uh-huh. is it's constrained because of all those limitations that we were talking about you know but definitely there is uh, because the way even us as consumers our behavior keeps changing, uh-huh. like sort of, uh, uh, you know, Netflix or, you know, Prime Video or whatever it is that we keep watching. Uh-huh. I don't remember the last time I've actually, you know, seen advertising uh, without actually having to go look for it on uh-huh. like uh, advertising portal to see what's out there. Nothing uh-huh. you know? uh-huh. like no real advertising really. Uh, kind of comes in your way unless you because we are in the industry we tend to follow we follow uh, blogs and websites and you know people so you can tend to come across work like that but uh, otherwise uh, I don't think there's anything amazing happening you know all the time consistently anyway but yeah what what is interesting is like you were saying I think the repurpose I think the creativity getting repurposed to do cooler things I think that's, you know, because if you're a creative person or a creative company, you uh-huh. should be able to be a lot more adaptive uh, than, you know, uh-huh. uh, in today's day and age, especially. Not everybody can be, but uh-huh. it's great if you can do that. I think, and I'm sure we'll have that conversation later about, uh, you know, even I think it was interesting. I was, I was reading an article that you had uh, put as part of like that, you know, also different ways. 
agencies of today or the future oriented agencies are structured mm -hmm. and it's quite interesting to see uh, what that's going to be creativity is definitely going to remain but how it gets repurposed how it gets adapted to the changing times that remains to be seen and i think it'll keep changing i don't think there is don't know if there is one way like nobody knows what is going to happen to covid 19 i don't think anybody can say what's going to happen <laughs> okay, so we can keep uh, changing as we you know go when right one thing to adapt right now that is the best campaign that is running in the world covid 19 nothing covid 19 yeah, yeah i think i i, I, know, I don't know if the brand is actually going to yeah, yeah. Uh, next month i mean even yesterday i saw i think on uh, twitter or something i saw like this uh, i think it was in the us somewhere that they there's a billboard for covid 19 testing center Uh -huh. There's an arrow that goes at the center, so only 500 meters away or 250 meters away, and the entire thing is branded by Pepsi. Oh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see the point of that. But yeah, COVID-19 te testing center with a big Pepsi logo and a glass of uh, Pepsi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you were saying something, yeah? I, mean, um, I think I have to question the the creative aspect of uh, COVID-19. Um, the last couple of months, it felt like a really shitty B movie that, um, like the, I don't know, it's Shark Attack or uh, these movies where tornadoes. Anaconda, um, yeah, the Anaconda. Uh, exactly this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah you guys um, so saw us contagion, right? That's the the end of uh, the creative aspect of everything. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I, I do agree with uh, the um, ubiquity of of creativity. um it's it has changed form um uh -huh. from um just doing uh, crafting some some poster really nicely it's uh, up to um more i guess emotive storytelling that we have now uh -huh. um initially there was a uh, a decent patronizing aspect to to advertising uh thou shalt buy uh these creams because otherwise they're going to die um today it looks different and the uh, the way into people's i guess hearts and minds is by providing a story that they can relate to and in this mm -hmm. case what what has changed over the last maybe 10 years mm -hmm. is that this story um is much more or the the starting point of the story is uh, are the people so this uh, the very consumer centric uh, starting point for for an idea for a concept is uh, is more important whether that's uh, going to continue we can talk about uh, in a bit but um the the creativity will always be there i i wrote down a quote from a guy i'm not sure if i can find it um oh yeah Uh, Doug Ryan, uh, president of uh, Digital LDI North America, he said, um, "As long as we're connecting to other people, the human element will never go away. Mm -hmm. um, but more as a from a strategic point of view, rather than from from an executional uh, part. So it's the uh, the creatives that used to to craft the the visuals and the the copy and uh, made sure that everything is is beautiful." um he believes that their role would be to to provide um the the algorithms and the uh, the way uh, to control 
the intelligences to, uh, to, uh, that will create it later. So it, everything will be automated, but somebody needs to feed in how to, uh, how to automate it. And um, even though I, I utterly disagree with uh, this kind of uh, view of the future, mm -hmm. I can see that definitely happening for, for media. Um, the whole uh, media aspect of advertising will, um, I think, split from uh, the creative aspect because it's, it's much more efficient to have uh, machine learning and to have artificial intelligence analyze all the data you can possibly get and react immediately with a, with a new ad or with a new piece of copy that will work better. That's um, yeah. our, I think our job um, will move more into, I guess, lateral thinking territory where it's literally just a big picture. How can we change? How can we innovate? Um, and how can, can we truly provide something new? Uh, because that with uh, the whole technology aspect will probably not happen unless there's a, there's a bug um, that suddenly um, sparks serendipity. But um, I think for, for that, creativity will always be there. And that I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I really. think uh, it's a very good point there because I was thinking about this because of the way things are going and way with data and like the amount of data out there and uh, AI coming into the picture. I think hyper-personalization of uh, advertising is, on, you know, it's probably already happening somewhere, I don't know, but it's definitely uh, on its way. And if hyper-personalization can be done to video content, mm -hmm. where no two people are seeing like the same thing, which uh -huh. is, you know, this is something that might be needed because as I'm sure the raw material for this kind of data already exists. It's about just sort of, you know, finding ways to sort of execute this and only like a machine coupled with like some high end uh, whatever, you know, uh, systems can probably do that when you have enough content to sort of tap into and like, you know, uh, push messages out there. Then it'd be interesting to see if and when that happens, what happens to these, when is that personalized, do people still ignore it or do people sort of, you know, actually connect to that much better because obviously on a manual level that is not possible to sort of create so much of content but if there is that content there is that data that a machine can tap into and sort of randomize and push out to you know different segments of consumers at the same time so my wife and me are seeing complete seeing mm -hmm. the same product but like seeing two completely different things you know that could be interesting but again like yes. Sebastian says the core would still be uh, something creative that needs to be being fed into that machine that uh, will then, you know, interpret it and push it out there. But it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, that is like, it's, it's very, very cold and very, very technical to, you know, have a future it is. like it that. It very is. And yeah. the, the, the one thing that you just had a, a thought with, uh, how long would you actually be, um, would that be successful? Uh, if everything is uh, hyper personalized and uh, mm -hmm. every every ad knows exactly who I am, what I do, what I want to, what I dream of, um, then I think the biggest question is: We're so getting used to um, to the beginning of that already that yes, yes. Um, maybe there's a, a moment of novelty where you suddenly say like, "Oh wow, this ad knows about me um, <laughs> like properly," but uh, you've seen it ten times. Yeah. Then okay it's uh, it's yeah. this thing again. 
and um, whether that's the end of uh, of all of that is um, is to be seen. But it, 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 to me, it's it's quite dystopian, really, from what advertising and creativity can be all about. But having said that, but what's happening to the world? Because I'm working on a project at the moment that kind of touches upon this aspect. I think what's happened in like the last uh, how long has it been now? Three four months since this thing started. People are reprioritizing. I mean, for different reasons. Like you know, sometimes it is because you're stuck at home. Other times, some people have like you know had pay cuts. People have had loss of job. People are not traveling as much. People are cut away from like uh, other people. So at least at the moment, I mean that's why when you, you spoke about pre-COVID, during COVID, and post-COVID, it's some people at least seem to have had the time to think about so to speak, the more important things in life, you know, like, uh, because if they, they take a family member away for COVID, you might never see that person again, you know, it's like come down to that now. So whether that kind of shock that the you, sort of the human race has like got, whether it's uh, changes some things for the better and for the long term, you know, I think it's very important that at the brands and then connected that the creative partners never forget the uh, human human side of things yes yes not take of it i think genuine i think what's actually gone completely missing out of this entire ecosystem of brands and uh, agencies and then the people who actually churn out the work is genuine empathy for people and i think that's like i don't know i'm sure it was there at some point it was definitely there and over the years and it's not happened now, but it's happened in the last 10, 15 years, maybe more, <clears throat> where the genuine empathy is gone. You know, if you cannot have, I'm just going to digress a bit here. If like companies cannot have genuine empathy for their own people, mm-hmm. own people who work, you know, I know you guys were joking about tracking campaigns in 48 hours and like, you know, killing yourselves doing it. And I've done that as well. <laughs> and you know, that is considered like a good thing. But at the same time, you will come up with a creative campaign that actually talks about family time and like, you know, work-life balance and stuff for some brand. And you advocate that, but you don't really follow any of that yourself. Yeah. yeah. But the guy so, who actually that, came up with the line probably died working in the campaign. That line, <laughs> I'm joking about this. I know this is probably true of our industry in general, but it's actually a problem because you're, you know, you're like faking it big time. There are, there are better ways to like do this. And the thing is, if you're genuinely not feeling it, but you're actually sort of just taking that information and trying to do something with it that, you know, people will connect to, but you yourself don't live that or believe in it. it yeah, is, uh, in, in this case, we are the masters of <laughs> hypocrisy. I know I absolutely agree. We are, we are the masters of hypocrisy. And I just feel that, uh, Gen- you perfected the art over so many years, yeah. No, no, we are, we are, we are. The thing is, when you're in the system, when you're in there, you generally don't have time to think about these things. Now that I'm like sitting at home and talking to you guys, I can think about it and say these things. So it's all right. But the point is that I think like brands have forgotten how to genuinely, truly connect with people. Again, you know, yes, that's true. that commoditizing conversation, but because of what's happening during COVID, Brands which are genuinely, you know, being responsible, hopefully should get rewarded, you know, when this thing sort of carries on and progresses because 
out of those 200 brands or 1000 brands that exist, probably 500 of them are going to go away. I mean, they're going to go away for different reasons. So I think the ones that stay, I think should stay for all the right reasons. And they should definitely build on what it is that they've actually achieved, you know, because people will be willing to give you your money, give you their money, provided like, you know, we uh, as us, if you look at us as consumers, when how do we sort of go and like uh, make our purchase decisions when we go out there, you know, what is it that like sort of drives us? So if we put ourselves into like the consumer's shoes, I think we, you know, and again, different people, different markets, different uh, behaviors. But uh, yeah, the genuine empathy, I think, really needs to, machines can't do that, really. You know, we can. I mean, it's just going to become like, you know, Sebastian said, it'll probably be a novelty factor for a while. And people are anyway trying to like run away from even installing apps to get themselves traced. I don't know how uh, happy they would be to see hyper-personalized advertising that is following them like everywhere and see, uh, you know sort of knowing exactly what they do i think a lot of people are trying to uh, probably don't like it i mean a lot of people hate it some people find it novel for a while maybe mm -hmm. some people are like like it all the time but i genuinely see sort of this and i, I might be completely wrong but there might be at least a fraction a portion of the population sort of going back to more uh, genuine human connections and like, you know, uh, reprioritizing I, things in life. I love your, your view on that. And I, I genuinely, generally it's, uh, hope that, uh, that would happen. Um, yes, everything that's, that's currently happening is, is devastating and, uh, mm -hmm. it's literally changing the world. Um, more from, from the economical point of view and, um, but, the realization that um, I also had, what actually is important um, while you're in lockdown. Um, the, uh, the things that are important are you can count on your fingers. You don't need your, uh, your 3,000 brands to, um, yeah. to fulfill all of these non-existing needs. Yes. And uh, if everything goes back to, um, to I guess something genuine, um, then the, the world will be a, definitely a, a better place, and no doubt about it. The, the thing is that uh, the discussion was there when it started, and uh, people were, were amazed by being in touch with um, long forgotten friends, and um, it's, it, we became a really um, nice community as, a, um, as humankind. Um, what I worry a bit about is um, this conversation has uh, been washed away by uh, by politics, um, who went in with a very different angle. And mm. um, now, and I'm pretty sure for the next uh, bit of the future, um, the economy itself will try to to keep these talks as as quiet as possible because obviously it goes against their interests. Um, yeah. If nobody wants to uh, to have fifty thousand different uh, kinds of potato chips anymore, then there's a problem. Um, <laughs> Yo. In this case, advertising would have to fix that. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's but I, I can I think I uh, you know like I said I might be completely wrong, but I don't think I am because like a genuinely uh, at least a certain portion of the population will have made that change. It might be a very small person, but from you know. Be, uh, 
from a consumer based population of i don't know how many billions i'm sure a lot of them would have sort of made a lifestyle i mean i know we have as you know at the other day the other day i got a call from a restaurant restaurant saying oh uh, you know i'm calling from like so and so place you have you haven't ordered from us since december 18th is there something wrong that there was there a unpleasant experience i was like no i just started cooking myself you know <laughs> I'll, 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 i'll call you if i have to because the thing is genuinely like sebastian was saying you don't the thing is and this is very dangerous for uh-huh. brand is uh, if people like you don't feel the need to go and go out there and buy shoes buy clothes uh-huh. buy all those things that you uh, really thought you needed then but now again like i said some people might, even if they are financially secure and all of that and these are the people who really matter if they make the lifestyle change although they don't have to that's the ones that the brands the, those are people that the brands really need to worry about how do you like sort of appeal to those people people like me for example i mean just you know uh, i could if i wanted to spend money i could spend money but i really don't want to spend money that's not because yeah. i you know so if, even if i'm getting some stuff for my son from amazon or whatever i think we try and sort of inculcate those values into him about the importance of uh, uh, you know uh, wastage and like things like that you know and it is important that we everyone and there must be a lot of people who are thinking like that some people are genuinely uh, going to say hi to sebastian ah palavi hi palavi hi hey palavi how are you <laughs> okay okay so i have a separate podcast on palavi that genuinely uh, uh, that um, it would be amazing it would be amazing for all you know we are afraid to like talk about it because we are in the industry but if the world actually changes for the better it's actually good for everyone it's good it's good for the future our children and a lot of things but it is probably terrible for capitalism and advertising yeah, in yeah. general what to happen i think it could start with uh, changing one word we were talking about consumers a lot why do yeah. we call people consumers yeah to me is mm-hmm. one of the most uh, horrible words that uh, are just used so often um if we just call them uh, bob and and mary uh, <laughs> uh, would i help a bit yeah yes and you're right I and mean, you say uh, you know we are calling them consumers and that whole thing has driven an entire uh, no because we treat them as like numbers we treat them as data we don't treat them as people so if you actually the real people with real needs would behave very very uh, differently like online than what like your numbers and your uh, research shows you know i mean a consumer that doesn't consume is useless um, yeah exactly yeah. absolutely for that but you are right in this day uh, you know I, i want to pick up on that one point where you said that you know going forward more and more you know governments and everybody or you know especially the businesses who in turn uh, sort of hold like a few strings for the government where they would be scared and they would want to keep this very fact uh, uh, you know uh, silent that people more and more are uh, understanding that do, they do not need 100 things for the same thing they do not need 100 choices for the same thing so i i'm guessing that either you know it's it's a, it's a very positive uh, you know outlook to understand or think that maybe the brand will understand at this point or this will now get even more brutal where advertising agencies will get into this one point where how do we change this and how do we change what people have already realized even with a small percentage that could mean like you know change in number of sales and also how do we tap into that and how do we un, you know 
make the people unthink of what was really uh, something that they realized during the pandemic? I don't simple, think that's very, very simple. Sorry, um, you said yeah. uh, Corona was uh, a really uh, great campaign. If you uh, just start uh, another, I don't know, you, you're going to lose your foot if you don't buy and that becomes a, the next global pandemic, then uh, everything is back in order. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, those are those, that's, you know, but absolutely that's like the, uh, like, I don't know how desperate brands or brands will get or how desperate agencies will get to uh, do what needs to be done in the interest of, uh, you know, uh, the industry in general. But uh, definitely there's going to be a shift in like uh, behavior from people for sometimes for, because they're forced to do so because their spending power has uh, decreased. They've had a change of heart. A lot of things, you know, a lot of anything. But definitely there is going to be that. And if different markets will be in a different life cycle because of this, India will be very different from the UAE. Like I was reading somewhere, like 10% of the Indian population in the UAE is heading back. So that's about, I think, yeah, it's, I think 3.5 million is what the Indian population is in the UAE. I think about 350,000 at the moment are heading back, you know? They're applied. So, yeah. So I think there's going to be that sort of uh, contraction in purchasing power for various reasons. And then when people, but people still need to buy things. They still need to buy certain types of uh, products, for example, Let's talk about categories that are doing well. I mean, FMCG or, or you know, there's food, there is healthcare, there is a lot of things that people still will need. They might not need shoes and clothes as much, but there will be a lot of other things that people will still need. And even then, there is so much of choice. So how do you make that choice at that point when the consumer is really thinking hard about where he's going to spend that dollar, you know? in the supermarket or online, even when we are like, I've got like some, some five apps that I actually go to now before I, you know, purchase groceries just to see what's up because they're like in here, there are no regulated prices, right? So there is like variation in like stuff. So it's about the service. It's about like genuinely good produce and like all those things. So I think people are going to think long and hard about quality for less at a good price. Uh -huh. And not be so probably not, you know, people who can be indulgent can be indulgent no matter what. But I think the majority of them probably would think about whether they're getting the right value for money more than ever, uh -huh. at least for the foreseeable uh, future. Because, you know, whatever this has hit in terms of uh, the economy or people's uh, pockets, it'll take some time for it to sort of get back if it does at all, or it'll just be a lot more contracted. It would be a just more contracted uh, world. You never know. And then it will be really interesting in this world of sameness. How do brands then counter that? How do you basically stand out? How do you become, uh, how do you get someone to buy you when you really, you know, uh, are not unique and you never were. But uh, I think this pandemic has really accelerated a lot of things that would have probably taken four or five years. Like people's behavior always was, already was shifting in that direction. People are thinking uh -huh. about the planet people are thinking about the environment it's just that uh, this has accelerated a lot of things that would have happened anyway it's just that they would have happened over the next five years ten years maybe this is just sort of being fast forwarded so to speak at least at the moment so it'd be interesting to see what happens there's a concept um, of the the so-called um, long wave cycles um, there's a um, I think it was 1920s, uh, a Russian economist called uh, mm. Kondradiev, 
Um, he found 60-year-old uh, cycle, uh, long cycles uh, across history, starting from the Industrial Revolution. And based on, um, on these findings, um, it was predictable um, what would happen, um, as in what kind of innovation has so much impact uh, on the world that it changes the, the world. Um, whether it was the, the steam or whether it, it was a so steam engine or it was the, uh, the microchip and on and um, According to these theories, we're now in the sixth uh, cycle and it's all about uh, health and healthcare. And um, it's a purely macroeconomic uh, cycle, but um, we're definitely heading towards um, taking care of ourselves better. Planet um, is uh, a side effect, and it's a very necessary side effect. But um, so yes, it's uh, it would have gotten there eventually anyway. But um, I guess um, a crisis like this, where everybody has to realize not only what they need, but uh, what is important in terms of um, literal survival. So good health is good. Um, makes makes things happen faster. Um, but yes, to, for advertising agencies or for, uh, for marketing in general to, to go up against, um, re-establish how important your brand was or um, how to adapt to a new environment must be, um, well, tricky at least. So the yeah. strategists are, are going to have smoking heads. Um, <laughs> See, I'm I'm very curious about that because um, if if this didn't make any difference, then um, yeah, it's like missing an opportunity. I mean, this was a, it would be a, a very very uh, big opportunity missed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think. Yeah, sorry, go on, Rem. Yeah, so I think this is again um, when the behavior of the consumers changes. So, you know, you said that people are going to spend less. Um, again, how would advertising thrive? Because now advertising is uh, built with, with content that you need to sort of convince people to, to, to spend more, right? But then again, in the future, if people spend less, then would advertising industry still need it or not? I mean, that's. I think advertising, uh, like, I think it's going to get repurposed in a big way. I really can't say which way it will go. But I think, like we said, there are thousands of, like, uh, products for consumers to choose from. Same way, there are thousands of agencies for mm. brands to choose from. Uh -huh. Maybe there will not be thousand agencies anymore uh, in the future. Uh -huh. Maybe there would be agencies that are a lot more truly integrated in the real sense of the word than they are right now, where they can't even work within uh, departments seamlessly. So yeah, definitely because the world had so much, there was so much and that needed so many brands and that needed so many agencies, everything sort of contracts, I think naturally things will contract. And I think survival of the fittest is what that article was about, wasn't it? That yes, yes, that was, yes, yes. I think it's going to, that holds true for, I think, anything and everything really. And I think this pandemic is, we will really show that, you know, honestly, if you, you were mediocre or you're, you're generally, you're an average product or an average, you know, just doing things for the sake of it, Unfortunately, that might, uh, you know, not help you survive. I don't know. I see, I see the, the possible way in um, this value creation. 
Um, products always had a certain value and advertising's role was to, to promote it. Um, and um, whether it, we needed to convince people or we, we tried to, to find ways to, um, to make them feel good about buying the product or about um, being themselves is, is one thing. But if there's a way uh, to add true value into advertising itself, um, then people would have to react to it. Um, so with that, I mean, it's not a print ad that uh, has a pretty picture on it uh, where I say, oh, this is nice, and then I move on. But uh, it's maybe providing um, a different service uh, that promotes a brand, that promotes a product, but uh, in itself has value. Um, something that um, could be an app or it could be an activation. It could be a whole new arm of, um, of a service. For me, just as an, as an example, Kafu um, in, in the UAE. Uh, it's this um, basically petrol delivery service uh, run through an app. And um, when I first heard about it, uh, I thought, oh, oh wow, uh, this, is, this is useful, this is good. And I, um, then I skimmed over um, who made it, and I came across something that uh, made them exclusive partner to Enoch or Adnoc or I don't know. Who, yeah. Adnoc. Yeah. And um, at that point, um, I, as, a, as a creative, I got very excited. I thought, how smart would, have, uh, would this have been if Adnoc um, would have created a new product called Kafu um, to sell their product? Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't. It's a uh, it's a standalone, um, standalone startup. Yeah. But this kind of of combination um, makes things suddenly a lot more useful and uh, much stronger. So it's uh, I think the the days where it's literally just about uh, visual copy and uh, a beautiful contrast between the the two of them are are over. Um, the the whole art segment of uh, creating. Uh, something that that hits me in the heart um, will probably survive for for a long time, but the the real future for advertising could be in in value creation, um, yep. and Absolutely. with that, uh, it, the, their business models would change because they they would get a cut of uh, whatever they're producing. Um, RGA has this uh, this new armed uh, where they literally act as a as a um, venture capitalist, mm -hmm. um, and they started up as a digital agency. So it's, there's a possible way into the future. I think that's a lot yeah. stronger than um, just churning out ads over ads, which will be done by, by machines anyway. So um, I think there's, there's a lot of strength in that. Yeah, absolutely. This is where, the, sorry, uh, this is where uh, uh, Sebastian, where you mentioned where Kafu was something which was independently developed and uh, then let's say, uh, you know, like a brand like Adnoc found value in it and that's why they collaborated and they said, like, you know, why, why can't we become partners? Now this essentially, uh, you know, now being in the, uh, being in the experience design or the app, uh, you know, industry for a while, uh, the whole research uh, part of it, which goes into understanding what exactly is the need gap is happening on an independent level where people are understanding or realizing or, uh, where 
this is the need or this is the gap in the market and maybe i can create a solution for that now companies from their side uh, they don't have teams who are sitting there you know researching about what's the next need gap and how can we use our product uh, uh, to make sure or fulfill the need gap because we have all the resources here and all we have to do is maybe invest in like a few uh, touch points that can uh, you know bridge the gap but this is happening on an independent level and this is i think where uh, it is given rise to a lot of the startups and entrepreneurs where the key or the basis for all of them is to understand the need gap and then uh, you know it's almost like in a way the system that is working now is it's very easy for any big companies to understand okay these guys have figured out a need gap and that exactly matches to you know the kind of offering that i have either i buy them out or just do uh, some kind of a partnership deal yeah i think yeah i mean i think you're absolutely right i think in terms of the smart uh mergers or collaborations that could potentially happen in the future between brands you didn't think were could relate compatible yeah interesting i mean if you i don't know if you guys have heard about this brand called the mobile uh, service provider called jio in india amit i'm jio mm-hmm. knows mm-hmm. yeah jio it's basically jio okay. uh, owned, owned by like i think the largest uh, service provider in india and they started with i think a lot of like free packages and whatever just to get market share and i think they are like the biggest and i think a very very short span of time mm-hmm. and i think just like uh, i think a month or so back i think facebook invested about 5 billion Oh. to get a certain portion of that share uh, and some other companies invested so i think they've sold about 15 or 20% of that company at the moment and they are in the middle of actually building uh because uh, jio uh, has that database of consumers and they that particular uh, company that the mother brand also has a lot of uh, i think uh, fresh food stores so like you know uh, fresh produce uh, stores that they own so they are the middle, and now with facebook and all that thing they're building trying to work towards building some sort of like an ecosystem that can this only works in india obviously india has a lot of like these mom and pop shops small uh, neighborhood groceries where they want to digitize this entire system where they you know so there's like a definitely a need like uh, amit was talking about of uh, enabling these uh, small businesses and whatever because not everybody can afford to buy stuff at large supermarkets and stuff in india or in the smaller towns there aren't any but technology coupled with like uh, uh, through a mobile service provider you know using their database and like sort of you know creating something that fulfills like that need is uh, you know i mean this is just a very small example but i think uh, it could be i don't think brands of so i think larger companies with multiple brands in there i think probably might already be doing it but i think some sort of smart uh, consolidation that actually add genuine value to uh, consumers and then to the brands themselves i think could be interesting because i think everybody is definitely not going to survive but those who do i think they would actually be be interesting to see how they actually come together to make things you know happen for example in the uae at the moment uh brands like zomato and like i think uh, you know the food delivery app guys are up against these restaurant owners because of the 35% uh, markup that the delivery services uh, that these apps have been charging and they refuse to back off because uh uh even after like the restaurants don't have that kind of business anymore so the restaurants have gotten together and i think about 150 restaurants here have gotten together and they're building their own app oh <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> That's so amazing. Imagine that. And it could like shut down an entire, and if it's successful, because the people are not buying, using Zomato, they're using Zomato obviously for the convenience of it and like being able to ask, but it, eventually the data shows that people actually end up ordering from five or six restaurants. They're not ordering from new restaurants all the time, no mm. matter how high the rating, because you like Indian food, you like Chinese food, you, look, you like Thai, Japanese, whatever. You'll pick one or two restaurants and then you keep buying, ordering from there, right? Unless, mm-hmm. you know, very few people, not uh, everyone experiments all the time. So as long as those restaurants are available on the app yeah. and, uh, and they, they said they will probably do free service because they don't have to like uh, pay anybody. That would just like damage uh, something like Zomato, someone like Zomato in a big way, you know, but then that is again, again, I mean, this has nothing to do with advertising, but again, has to do with like empathy. Like you're talking about, so if you're all in it for just yourself. It's going back to empathy, right? Yeah. It's not going to work, you know, it's not going to work in the long term, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the advertising aspect of all of that is still there. Um, if you're one of these 150 uh, restaurants that uh, are rebelling against uh, the, the status quo, um, you already have my, my interest um, yeah. just for, for doing that. So there's, there's always a story behind it. And as Absolutely. long as you, uh, you, you can exploit it, uh, which yeah. you have to do, then it's fine. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just for, for what for. I think that's right. I think this takes you back to what I think the entire conversation is going to basically becoming is actually going back in a way. If you think about it, it's going back to your madman days in a way uh-huh. about being genuine and you know about what it's all, what it's really all about. Not about commoditizing and just like being everything for everybody because you can't. You know, of course, it'll uh, by, by the time stuff gets like become smarter, AI digitized on one side, the other side. I think really connecting with people, genuinely connecting with people, uh, where interest levels keep changing, is going to be uh, interesting. I mean, whether uh, like how can branded content evolve? You know, how much more? How you know? Where, what is the next level it can go to with the amount of uh, uh, you know Netflix and stuff that people yeah. are consuming? And how can brands sort of become part of that in a much more genuine way. I mean, Ryan Reynolds, I understand has, he's got aviation gin and then he's now got like, uh, I think a mobile uh, cell phone company that he's acqu- acquired or he's a partner with, uh-huh. but he got his own advertising agency. Oh yeah. So he's got his own advertising agency that does all that work that he does for uh, his own brand, you know, uh, okay. so there's, you know, you're a smart guy, but like for whatever it's worth, you know, that's like a thing, you know, like really smart brands uh, who really uh, who uh, or l- larger groups there is potential to really turn the in-house model into something really different. I know there's always that conversation for and against like an in-house creative model, uh-huh. but done right, I think it can be genuinely successful if you actually have it. You know, uh, because I think they're not there's not too much long-term campaigns happening anymore, right? Mm-hmm. We spoke about that earlier. There are no long-term slogans, no nothing. Everything is like fairly, because nobody's got that kind of like uh, attention span anymore. I see, I see. They can buy through a brand's vision, but like the, like the sameness of the story is not there anymore. It keeps evolving, keeps changing. It has to, so the, yeah. you know? I think so, the, the only possible downside of the, the in-house model could be scale. Um, it's if you're uh, just operating in one market, uh, then uh, easy 
and um, you're, you'll be able to, to build something that, that lasts. And um, I think it's, it's very different. When you then um, talk about, let's say, Unilever, or one of the really big players, um, it's, I guess, impossible to, uh, to translate that, because uh, just in terms of, of Unilever, overall scale. Unilever uh, has a, Unilever's got an agency called, I think they've started, I think it's more of a studio, which uh -huh. was started by, uh, I think, uh, I forget the name of the agency that actually, uh, Oliver, Oliver is the one that actually starts off these in-house agencies for brands, and that, uh, they have something called U-Studio which I think it's more of like, uh, it's not really a creative, creative agency where the creative, uh, the big thinking still remains with the brand agency, but it's more of an execution agency and like to do the smaller digital campaigns and all of that. And I remember they were also dabbling in something called U Entertainment, which was about to find uh, opportunities within the entertainment industry for Unilever and its uh, you know mm. product. I don't know how far that's gone. But these are things, obviously, all these things only happen because the brands are trying to really save money. They're not doing it to do genuinely creative work. They're only uh -huh. trying to like, you know, uh, 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 profit from it. But uh, like I was saying, if it's done for the right reasons and done right, where there's a, if there's a difference between an advertiser and a marketeer. So if there is a combination of the two and there is a sweet spot somewhere, it could be, it could work. But again, obviously, it does not apply to all markets uh, all the time. It's just something you know, someone can do if they really can make it uh, work. I mean, a market like India could probably benefit from it because India is like huge. I mean, they could like do and every part of India, the communication, the brand communicates in a different way because people speak different languages and the insights are different. So although there's a common insight, they do a lot of uh, targeted uh, TV work, which is like four or five copies of the same concept but they shoot it, shoot five, six versions of it, you know? So, yeah. That's one thing about Indonesia uh, <clears throat> that uh, I always found it su uh, surprising. I, I lived and, and worked in Indonesia for, uh, for a couple of years. And uh, Indonesia is, uh, is such a big country. It's, for, what, uh, Rahmat, 250 million people? Yeah, 250 uh, million people, yeah. 17,000 islands um, with I don't know how many different languages and uh, cultures and uh -huh. uh, it's such a such a, a mix of uh, of people, but um, advertising genuinely uh, is created um, first of all just on one island and most probably only out of Jakarta, um, catering to uh, to everyone. There is not a, a physical differentiation or it's, even campaigns are not um, focused on just uh, Kalimantan or just uh, Sumatra. It's um, we all as Indonesians and uh, there this, this split hasn't happened. I guess um, it's very difficult to, to organize that anyway. Um, oh, hello. Okay. Seb seems to... Yeah, hello Seb, know. are you still here? Okay. I'm here. Okay. So I was thinking that probably people who, um, anybody who owns the data and knows how to just work their way on the social media can own the space. Of, uh, so let's say, again, you were talking about uh, Ryan Reynolds. Uh, Kevin Hart also, I think he owns a, uh, his own advertising agencies. And also Zach King, a YouTuber says, because he was working for uh, an advertising agency before, and he says, 
Advertising agency spent $250 million just for one campaign, but then again, the views that had only 20,000 views, something like that, 100,000 views. Then Zach King made something, which is he only used his iPhones and uh, I think that at that time Vines, and then he made 1 million views in two days. So then again, these advertising agency, we don't need it, I guess, in the future. This is my next question. Um, would be would it be possible that advertising agency be um, be be broken down into one small agency that sort of uh, 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 do do only data and only you know um, going about the social media things? Would it, would that be possible? And then again, if if data is the 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 the, the answer. Then what about Google and then Google or Amazon? They, 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 they all have data, right? And then advertising agency then need to compete with these people as well. What do you think about that? Take that, Seb. I think um, the, the power in data is to create the, the most holistic view of a, of a consumer. Um, and um, if there's a way to combine all the data of, uh, of Google, uh, Facebook, Amazon, whoever, into, uh, into one consolidated package, and uh, you have uh, speciality agencies to, um, to take this data and analyze it and uh, create or feed their machines with, uh -huh. um, I think that um, that could definitely work. Whether there's access enough to uh, to this data or not is a is a different thing. Um, but could it exist like this? Yes. I um, mean, there's a big split between uh, these two uh, aspects of advertising: there's the data-driven part and uh -huh. then the the creative part. Uh -huh. um, because I don't see any creativity left in. Um, in this highly analyzed uh, thing that you can't, you, sometimes you'd, you come up with the best ideas uh, because you made a mistake or just, <laughs> because something went horribly wrong and suddenly you're, you're faced with uh, something that's actually beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, so that aspect you don't have in, in this environment. Um, You've taken a bit of room for all the error and uh, thereby yeah, creating something nice, yeah. Um, and then for the creative bits, um, probably it's not going to call it be called advertising, but uh, all the creatives would move into um, a different territory um, that is more about uh, basically what we what we spoke about um, lateral thinking. It's about uh, trying to to reinvent uh, certain aspects of um, of the industry or of a product or uh, service. So. Um, I think that could possibly be um, a scenario, whether it's a, it's, um, a good scenario, I don't know. If you see at this point, uh, you know, going back to what you're saying, where, you know, you have all the data that is available and uh, you know, trying to create like this holistic view of the consumer. I think what is already happening right now is there is tons and tons of this granular data about a single person or a single consumer where, you know, Satyan had mentioned earlier about hyper personalization. Mm. I think that is already in play where you already have a, a lot of sophisticated technology right now, which almost like, you know, it's like creating this extreme, uh, you know, digital person of, let's say, uh, Rehmat, uh, Sebastian or uh, Satyan or even me for that matter, 
they know you almost like you know uh, they, they are able to like, the algorithms are able to second guess what you might want and what is what is exactly that you like now uh, what is what is happening is like you know whenever you are reading articles or you know the, the the ads that you keep getting bombarded with and you know that one um, uh, sort of myth that everyone has that every time you speak about something it's almost like you know i i was only talking about this to my friend and suddenly i see an ad which is very related to that it is almost very spooky and uh, i had spoken to a friend of mine who was in the same field and i asked him like does this really happen he said like no it doesn't happen there is no technology where you know google or you know let's say facebook is listening to you and giving you ads based on you know it's not like spying on you but it is all based on this extreme you know granular data that they know about you which you know it, it's very spooky that you know they, they just you know you suddenly see an ad of something which you spoke about with your friend so that is i think it's already happening and and it, it doesn't even i mean not that i'm saying that it doesn't need advertising but the advertising or the banner is just there to probably for you to just see a brand uh, you know like a logo and you wouldn't even care uh, about reading the copy it's all about okay you know you're thinking about or speaking to a friend about going to hawaii and suddenly you have five options where you can buy tickets so that is that is already happening right now and and uh, you know it, it's not it's not more about what kind of campaign you're pushing but it's about okay how much i know about you and if this is something which was relevant around the time that you were thinking about this and you just suddenly see that and all it takes good, for someone is just to buy privacy yeah it's good gone it's good by privacy <laughs> Yeah, that that's something. It's almost like maybe Google knows you better than you know. You know, the thing, on the on that point, really, I think only time will tell. Really, this when you say uh, we talk about this personalization, and then you're talking about a change in human behavior. I think COVID has changed a lot of things. So all things, if COVID had not happened at all, and we were continuing this conversation, then like I said, this would a lot of this would probably have become stronger and stronger, and this stuff would have still come through a lot of lot more intrusive. uh communication it would you know and people would be talking about it but it would have like evolved over time but now that this has happened then how that personalization evolves or how uh human it can get i think that's going to matter you know versus that they are looking for some trying to buy some um, shower gel and i decided didn't complete my shopping cart didn't check out and then i'm that ads been following me everywhere you know So <laughs> it will not leave you until you actually just buy. It. That's the only way to get the ad. Yeah. So I think what is going to be because you can't really what you can't predict is the human behavior aspect of it. You can be, predict the uh, you know the technological aspect of what the possibilities are, but how people's thinking is going to change is yeah. a little difficult to uh, sort of predict at this stage and. how fluid that is going forward is going to be interesting so uh, before i go to next question uh, what about the time i got you guys okay with the time yeah okay so so my next question will be i mean i, I guess you guys have seen minority report right would that be a possible feature for you know humanity for advertising when he when he when he enters the, the shop and And then the, the 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 robot says, "Welcome, Mister. I don't know what's his name. Welcome, Mister. Tom Cruise. Uh, would you like to buy some shirts for your wife and things like that? Would that be a possible future for us?" 
Is it impossible? I'm very sure there's a prototype being made. Something we like, or it's, uh, something? Happening, it's already happening. I think it's China. It's already happening. <laughs> Not sure well in Europe or Japan. Black Black Mirror Black Mirror advertising. Oh, Black Mirror advertising. Oh. <laughs> uh, Yes. Is it technically possible? Pos probably, yes. Uh, is it um, a beautiful future of uh, what we do? For me, um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm telling, I'm telling you, we're having this conversation. We're having uh, two parallel conversations here at the same. You know, there is that sort of the human, the human side, and the possibilities of technology. Where how exactly. they come together? Is it a beautiful marriage, or is it like yeah. going to be really? Uh, painful, you know, it's something that people are going to hate. That only time will tell. So, as a beautiful marriage, you're saying it all depends on, you know, the guys who are making this technology, or, or you know, they they already have that. How much? Where are they? Where are they ready to draw the line? That is where it matters. Where you know, yeah, yeah. without the without the risk of being, you know, hyper personalization is now hyper intrusion. So that's that's where the line is. Like you know, you know too much about the person, but without the without the you know, at the uh, without the risk of being too intrusive, you can have that fine line where we are only giving you uh, things when you really need them. That is when you know you will feel that okay. Uh, you know, otherwise, I, I, you know. Sorry, I don't think this fine line uh, exists because as soon as you give uh, to give a little bit, then um, it's. It's not important who made or who built the system. Uh, it's the, the people who use it. And uh, once they see a benefit come from it, they'll go all the way. So the only way to, um, to keep that in check is uh, human behavior. Yes. Uh, yeah. If suddenly you don't sell anymore because people um, start not reacting at all, then you would have to change your system. But uh, I don't think the system makers can uh, can put safeguards in place. Mm. Because yeah, there is some, that is something that's going to evolve with like, it's going to get smarter and smarter with, every, you know, the more people sort of interact with it and things like that. It's going to be driven by something like that. But like I said, at the moment, uh, at least in the short term, we are in the sort of state of flux in terms of you don't know which way it's going to go. And how people's behavior is going to change depending on how long this drags and what, how humanity in general comes out of this entire thing, you know. Yeah. And whether it's short term, long term, you don't know. So uh, it's going to be, yeah, it'll be interesting. So I think if anybody can actually predict that, I think that like I was reading somewhere, I think there's nobody can actually predict the future. I think like the best guesser wins, you know. There's no real <laughs> prediction, but a guy who guesses the best guess, I think he's the one who got it right. <laughs> I think it's a time where we all uh, start a commune. Uh, we spoke about uh, herbal yeah. health. <laughs> uh, we'll just have our own uh, chickens and uh, and tomatoes. So yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, let's all let's all move to New Zealand. New Zealand. He's got the right, right idea. <laughs> yeah, I guess I, I don't know whether you heard about uh, Joe Rogan and Elon Musk interview. So what he said that in the future, um, there's a machine where you can embed something into your head, right? So you basically you can download your memories and you can upload something to your memories. So what happens is maybe in the future of advertising, uh, there'll be you don't need to be conscious to 
conscious to see advertising. Maybe it could be in, in your dreams. So, so you, when you're dreaming and you'll see an advertising sort of like that. And then you also as a creative director, you can also um, build, create a story for your dreams. <laughs> Maybe if Sabs want to dream something, you can enter some, some product placement in your dreams and self, self dream like that. <laughs> Has it been doom time, doom time of uh, you know human race? And that, that's <laughs> I mean, yeah, because if in the, when you are awake and you are not consuming advertising, okay. So this is uh, it's it's super interesting. Uh, I don't know about the time. So we are almost reaching a well in Japan. It's like six o'clock, almost six o'clock. I guess uh, Amit, do you have any other questions? Uh, I think, I mean, you know, within the, uh, you know, span of whatever one hour we've had, and I think the conversation, it's, we, we probably pretty much have covered a lot more than uh, the questions that I have. Uh, and, and I think, uh, uh, you know, the few questions that I wanted to ask about was, uh, you know, how how the, uh, you know, the culture of advertising was, uh, or even the lifestyle of how things uh, were. Initially, as I was mentioning, uh, you know, uh, when Sebastian remembers, like there was a time where people were spending, you know, you know, a lot, lot of hours, you know, away from home and just keep, keep on working, churning out lines and, you know, coming out with like these uh, award-winning uh, slogans. So uh, my initial question firstly was, you know, was, was that ever justified initially where, you know, people used to spend that kind of time, had no life and was it ever justified? Uh, now, obviously, you know, with, with a lot of technology that is coming in, uh, I'm sure uh, a lot of the lifestyle has changed and you still think, you know, it, some, some of that will still continue in the future. Will you need that, you know, that kind of, that kind of lifestyle where, you know, you're really working and you're really squeezing every drop of blood that you have just to come out with that one award winning campaign and, you know, just get there. Um. The when I started my career, um, and I've I've hopped from from the U.S., Europe to to China, uh, UAE, then back to to Asia. Um, with every step uh, or with every move I made, um, the work got harder. Um, I think I just went with the time where it's, uh, everything just got more crunched. But right. the the way it started for me was hardly ever about um, the external pressures. It was um, working very long hours, very hard um, for, um, to create something that's, uh, that was for me good. If I look at these things now, uh, I would disagree with myself, but uh, it was a lot more um, almost um, almost enjoying the the fact that you're just burning the midnight oil and you're going through and uh, it, it became a lifestyle. Um, so it, that, more, it was more passion yeah, driven, you would say. Yeah, there was a lot of passion in, right. in the whole thing. And um, then after after the years, and I've been uh, in the industry now also for for twenty years, um, it became a lot more. Maybe I became a bit wiser about certain things. Um, but um, it was balanced out by the fact that the, uh, suddenly the external pressures were uh, immensely high. Um, when I worked in, uh, in Jakarta, in Indonesia, um, I've never pitched as much um, 
as I pitched in, in Jakarta. Uh, like every every week, we had at least one pitch presentation. Oh wow! That over the course of eight, eight months, um, my my team was um, sleeping in the office. We were pretty much crawling on the floor. Um, that was the time when news came out of Japan that uh, advertising executives were dying. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, after that, I uh, made a decision that um, this lifestyle has to end for me. And um, when I came back to, to Dubai, um, I got more into um, experience design, trying to define what, what that is. And um, I found a new, new passion, um, maybe two years ago, one and a half years ago, in events. And uh, oh. so now I'm, I'm uh, yeah. full on in, in big uh, government events and brands and, uh, and whatnot. But there's a, um, I feel about events the, the same way I feel about um, advertising or in this case, uh, back in the days, digital um, pieces, websites. Um, and that's that's a, a great thing. That so, will the the pressure continue uh, for people in advertising? Um, I assume for for a while longer. Yes, just because there's hardly any more money, um, <laughs> there are less resources, and there is more work and uh, more things sold to. But I think certainly you are better to, uh, person to to answer that question. Yeah, because the thing is that I. I agree with like uh, everything that you said and again I've been there done that and I also got wiser like you did I mean <laughs> I think uh, but the thing is when you're actually in it doing it yes the passion is what drives you and I think it's sometimes I think the creative people let me put it differently I think the creative people probably I think the right the ones who've got their hearts in the right place I think that passion is probably in the it's the right passion, but sometimes it's very, it's mis, can be misguided as well. And then there are people in the industry, in the system that obviously misuse this passion. And the younger you are, the, you know, the more the, you're probably going to get like, I don't know, the young people probably don't want to hear it. I don't know. Anybody try to, anyone getting out of ad school right now, like, you know, very starry-eyed about like the industry and wanting to work. Like I said, obviously I can't. Don't want to generalize because I'm sure that it's, it's different everywhere. But uh, if it were, if there were not similarities, then you would not see the same jokes floating around on the internet about how it sucks in so many different ways. You know, like people sitting in Japan and the US and India, everybody's making the same jokes about client servicing and creativity and clients. So there is a problem. So uh, the thing is. If uh, I don't think killing yourself over anything is worth it, I think it's passion is good, but I think passion at the expense of everything else is uh, probably it's not ideal. I don't know, but only time time teaches you this. I don't think you'll probably learn this unless you go through the grind yourself, because if you decide to like skip that phase of your life and not actually want to go through it and try and like you know uh, be something else what you probably would be 10 years later, that is not possible. So I think it ha you have to go through that grind because that experience definitely teaches you. But to be able to make that move mentally and then physically at the right time for yourself and basis what you think is important in your life, I think is uh, important. So how long can you go on with it? If you're like probably 50, 60, still sort of killing yourself 
at work, then I think you really didn't, you know. Then you I mean, basically I'm missed the boat to become wise. I hear people talk about oh, work, work, it's all about the work and all. I think it's, it's great. I think that passion is good. But that passion without a balance, I think, is terrible. I think you've done yourself mm. and your life a lot of uh, injustice if you've lived a life like that, where it's all only been about the work, work that you cared about, a few people around you cared about, but actually you didn't contribute anything to anyone. So I think that sense of balance, I think, is important about doing the work, doing it for the right reasons, doing a good job of it, but then switching off. And you know, you have to. Because creative, especially creative people are in it for the passion and the love of what they do. But I think that uh, it's important that agencies, and they, that doesn't happen all the time, but they, it's important that they take care of such people. And like I said, but I, the way it's been commoditized lately, I don't think that's going to happen. I think the only thing creative people have going for them at the moment is at least they're working from home. So again, with the with the passion uh, thing that you were mentioning, that you know that there was there was always this passion, and even uh, Seth was saying that, you know, it, it was all about the passion, burning the midnight oil to create something else. How much of it was driven by uh, the need for, let's say, an award, like you know, getting a cans or whatever? Was it was it was it an award uh, need need for the award? Was it trying to create a campaign which actually made a difference, and you know, uh, where, where people responded to uh, in, in those numbers that you were expecting? Or was it a mix of both? And, mix, um, mix of both. It always is. A, it's always is a mix of both. And if anybody from the industry is obviously awards are seasonal. There is a time in the year when that suddenly becomes like a question of life and death, or your job itself, depending on what like position you are at. And it is. Uh, I have a very. I've done it. I've been there, done that. I've got my share of like can lions and whatever. And I have a very very different point of view about it now you know when i ask me if you ask me about like a piece of work that i've done that is it the stuff that's won the can lines that i'm really proud of it is something else that i had done that actually was a much smaller idea but i happened to sell it we happened to sell it to the client and it turned into something much more bigger and was a genuinely good camp creative campaign but it didn't win it won awards but it was it won not as much as it didn't win a can or it didn't win mm -hmm. any of the big ones but that is the one piece of work I still remember now. And I genuinely feel that kind of work is what I genuinely feel uh, was connected to really it, yeah. proud of than the stuff that was, has won a lot of awards and whatever. I don't know. I mean, the award thing, it's, it's a double-edged uh, thing. It's a, and this, that's, that, that needs a separate podcast, really. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we can do it in the next session if you want. I want if you guys hurry. All of us know that how much how much money goes into the advertising awards and stuff. All of us know it. Now, so many creative people have lost their jobs at a time like this. Not just creative people, a lot of people have lost their job in the industry. So, and a lot of award shows have been cancelled for the year. It'll be interesting to see when they do kick in next year, where the priorities go. Will you still put in those million dollar uh, entries when you've like sacked half your agency? Um, you know, how do you what happens? I'm I'm really really curious to see whether how the agents the industry itself that you know is all about it says a lot of right things but how does it act when the time comes it'll be it remains to be seen i see i, I see um, <laughs> yes this, this entire uh, thing we, we spoke about it's uh, briefly before there's um the vanity 
um, becomes interesting. It becomes an interesting topic once you look at at yourself as an industry and you realize that you're um, torn and battered. So yeah, let's see what um, what happens. Um, what the reaction will be. Um, it will be a different celebration. Um, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'm, uh, there'll be a, probably a separate uh, category for COVID ads for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Social SGD, they call it, right? Trump should win win the award hands down. The only one spreading the word more than anybody else. whatever, but yeah. A while back, I was dabbling with this thought because there's so much of COVID advertising happening all over, like you know, certain ads of the world and everywhere. Maybe there's like uh, I should start someone. I was thinking of starting a blog called the Wuhan Lions. Shittest COVID advertising on it because there's quite a bit of it. So yeah, but there is a thing is when you're actually coming up with stuff like that without real purpose, but you think you're actually doing something with purpose, and you're the only one who, and you and a few other people think you're, <laughs> it's purposeful. I think that's where the problem lies. You know, it's not genuine without really understanding what works. Really understanding, you know, you're doing it. And there is vanity in that for sure. Like Seb says, it starts with that. And I think the agency, the industry really needs to humanize itself a lot more than, you know, the self-importance has to, uh, you know, go down a little bit. I believe so. It will. Mm, you know, because it, you know, it is a job and you're lucky as creative people to be doing a job with the talent that you have that not many other people do. So, but to get the, let that get into your head and become so vain about it that you think you're superior than other people or as an advertiser, you're some, someone better. I think that's bullshit. <laughs> it, never, it was never true. It was never true. And I think this is now probably this will forcibly, you know, sort of make that happen to talk about an industry that only cares about itself is not really something that the world needs, you know? I see. I see. So I have uh, three last questions that I would like to ask. Uh, one is, let's say you have the power to change everything. Let's say you should become the president of the United States. And then you have the power to change, let's say, how to make advertising industry more, more better, the working environment more better, maybe the profits more better. What would you do? So that's my first question. My second question is, um, I don't know whether people, um, all this, uh, the small um, agency will hear about this podcast, but what are the advices that you can give to them in order to survive in this really weird time, really? And the, 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 the last one, if, I know Seth has a daughter, right? Uh, but if you have a kid, let's say, and then your kid wants to be a creative director for an advertising agency, would you support them? If not, why? And if yes, why? He's only smiling. He's only smiling. <laughs> um, I'm going to answer the third question. Okay. <laughs> in this conversation, uh, my son's like about nine and a half now. now uh -huh. he's, uh, he's pretty. He's pretty creative. I mean, he's creative. He, his creativity makes him gets him to do things like uh, this. Oh, nice. Yeah. So he's like basically, you know doing stuff with clay. I think creativity is a good thing. How we channelizes as creativity, because I don't, I think that the our industry as itself would, and he sees what his father has been through or what his mother goes through. So I don't know after having seen that, if he still wants to do it, then wow. And that's, he's, he's seen something that we haven't, but I think we would, uh, he can be whatever he wants, but I think if he 
picks a creative field of some sort, whether it's advertising or, or for whatever advertising has become in like the next uh, 10, 12 years or any creative field that allows him to sort of express himself and make him happy. I think it'll be cool. But I don't think advertising is going to what it is today. And I'll be very surprised that it is still there uh, by the time he's like 20 in this form. So if it's become something nicer, mm-hmm. then I think he probably would, we would all know about it. And then if he chooses to make that choice, great. But if it is like either, you know, it has completely changed for the worse, then yeah, I mean, we probably, he'll do what he wants, but we'll probably have something to say. <laughs> Game, so we need to give an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? I completely uh, agree with all of that. Um, <laughs> my daughter is four, so it's a bit early. <laughs> but um, when it comes to uh, to the the greatness of creativity, yeah, absolutely. And so in this case, whether she uh, she wants to be uh, standing on a stage. Um, singing Christmas carols or uh, going into into art or whatnot. Um, of course, there's there's a lot of my heart in, uh, in that. Um, less so for, uh, for the Christmas carols. But anyways, um, it's um, the the most or the, it's the key aspect of that uh, sentiment. The industry will change. And by the time my daughter is old enough to um, to start a career, a job, um, or a new passion, uh, everything will have changed. Um, That's right. Would I suggest to myself to uh, to do advertising again, or would I um, would I give myself the advice um, to to do advertising um, and leave design? Probably not, no. Um, so I would not do it the same way um, with, the, um, with the experience I have now. That's, I think, the, the easier the way to, to answer that question. Absolutely. You know, the thing is that also, we never experienced the madman days of advertising, right? I mean, those mm. absolutely purest days, by the time we got into advertising, that already changed and was changing rapidly because the world had changed so much. Mm-hmm. And we really got the worst of it uh, I think, you know, as, uh, uh, you know, in our lifetime, almost by the time, you know, in, the, in our career of what it actually, we saw the worst of it. We saw some good parts of it, but we really saw it really change. Not, I wouldn't say for the better. Mm-hmm. So if it falls and it becomes something nice, then we will, like I said, we will know, but that for that to happen, a lot has to, the world's thinking has to change really for advertising is a very small part of the way humans behave, mm-hmm. you know, human behavior, how countries are run. It is a very much, much bigger, deeper conversation for advertising to evolve. You know, it just is, I know, I know we don't like to use this word, but like consumerism would have to like change for advertising to change. Mm-hmm. You know? I see. see. But yeah, creativity is always a good thing. The world needs more and more creativity because the applications of it are endless. So yeah, <laughs> that's true. Beautifully said. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what about the uh, everything? No. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, what about the first and second question? Maybe Seb or Satyano like to answer that. Second one was. So the second uh, question: uh, What sort of advice is that you can give for small agencies, maybe in Dubai or in the world, and within this, you know, really challenging times? What 
can they do in order to survive? See, again, uh, I don't know. See, again, I think this question, I don't think there's a single answer for this question because I think it would depend completely on the market you're in and like, you know, a small agency functioning in uh, India would be very different from a small agency functioning in the UAE simply because of the market size. I think larger agencies might have it easier. You know, obviously they'll not be as large as that, that they are, but I think, I honestly, I honestly can't, it's a tough one to answer, but I think what you definitely need to be adaptive. Luckily, if you're sitting on a bunch of clients or working in an industry for a set of clients that are not affected by the pandemic is something you should like definitely be thankful for. And you can sort of, you know, consolidate and like, you know, see what, how it sort of goes. But if you're basically working for brands related to all those industries like airlines and travel and mm-hmm. tourism, and all of those, I don't, I don't know. I mean, if those ages, if those clients are not advertising with them anymore, or they've cut their budgets, I really genuinely don't know how they can uh, uh, survive. Otherwise, I think, I don't know. It's a tough one. I mean, how do you run a business at a time without any clients? Advertising is considered as an expense by a lot of uh, brands. You know, mm-hmm. especially smaller agencies. Very few small agencies have big brands that they. Uh, cater to they probably also you know the clients are also like mid-sized clients and whatever so if they're they're working on clients that are unaffected or less affected great if they're actually working on brands that are screwed then the agency is screwed as well i mean i really don't know (laughs) maybe they can create a podcast like this i guess you have, I think a genuinely versatile uh, freelance model, people who actually are making it work that way, have direct connections with the clients, probably might benefit a lot more than an agency with some overheads, no matter what size. Because if an organization with overheads at the moment, it might be difficult to uh, survive like any other business. But if you actually are a freelancer, a talented freelancer who's uh, you know, fairly versatile, but mm-hmm. you have the right connections and engaging brands, uh, you know, it might be a good opportunity for such people. I think I versatile- such people can hire me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, no. yeah okay. it's, it's a tough one, really. Advertising is generally at the moment for a lot of, uh, at that level, I think for a lot of them, it's an expense. You should be really lucky if you have clients of any sort at the moment who are still advertising mm-hmm. and not that on hold, then I think you should consider yourself lucky. No, I so see, my advice I see. Then would be to like continue praying to whatever God. <laughs> continue praying. Okay. <laughs> That's... <laughs> That's pretty much my comment in, in a nutshell. I'm, uh, I don't think we're in a, in a place to, to suggest um, or to propose ideas or to, uh, to understand what um, what small agencies go through at the moment. Um, I think um, they know much better than, than we do what they need to do, but uh, as um, hopefully something they, they don't forget is to, uh, that whatever they do, they need to take uh, to care of their people first and foremost. Um, if that means their business model needs to change, if that means that uh, their 
uh, trying to to bring on clients that uh, they never worked wanted to work with before. It doesn't matter. Uh, take care of your people, and um, the the rest <laughs> is up to you. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you make so you make a very good point. I think like ad adapting to the you know there's no there's no room for egos. There's no room for any. All that is gone. The stuff that we thought we could get away with as you know an agency or could say no to things. You know those days are. Well, the, most, the ones huh. with most empathy will probably uh, they'll surface. The ones who uh, yeah, empathy in, in in inward and outward. You have to think about your clients. You need to like make sure you don't you're not like uh, you know fleecing them. At, at the same time, you need to take care of your people. Like Sebastian said, I think that's very important. Because I see. Agencies have finally let go of people. Hopefully, they've kept the good ones. <laughs> it's never not a good thing to say, but I'm saying maybe they've retained their better talent, so to speak. So they need to take care of that. I think even in like from the, in the UAE perspective, even from when uh, in 2010, 9, 10, when uh, after the initial recession, I think a lot of agencies used to have like these 12, 13, two, two, three member teams. Those teams were already much lesser over the years. And I don't know now what must have happened because most holding companies anyway are not even uh, pushing for freelancers or they're not encouraging freelancers uh, to work within the agency it's being because they, all of them are trying to control costs and with a large i don't know what's going to happen to the smaller agencies or the mid-sized agencies but the larger agencies with the kind of overheads they have and the kind of retainer models they have that's going to be interesting to see as well you know because a lot of them have like what 50 percent uh you know expense 50 percent uh profit kind of models 56 mm -hmm. interesting to see how sustainable that is I think one of your questions was also about retainer versus uh, project-based stuff. Uh -huh. So you think uh -huh. you can expect more, more of that project-based stuff. You can expect a lot more, um, you know, uh, pitches for less money. So yeah, you have to oh, wow. be, yeah, I think that's what, at least this part of the world, I think you can expect that. I don't know how it's happening in Japan, but like, <laughs> you, know, you expect a bit of that, I think. I see, I see. I see. So what about the first questions? Um, so if you have the power to change everything, if you have the power, sort of like Tainus, <laughs> uh, in order to make advertising industry more thriving and environment, the work environment much more fun, uh, what sort of aspect would you change? Well, I think that's Take social media away. Say again? <laughs> Say again? Take social media away. I'll take social media away. <laughs> actually fixes something, but... Um, yeah, I'm not sure if that's good or bad, but uh, yeah, um, I don't know. Besides that, I think I think uh, like I, I would just go back to my original point because we should have we should have we have to go back to the point where advertising really lost its purpose. Mm -hmm. It actually became that point in time. Thanos, you know, yes, Thanos. You'd have to probably go back there. Maybe remove Netflix and YouTube, I guess. Sorry. Remove Netflix and YouTube. <laughs> you know, I, I always saw myself more as a progressive kind of person. But uh, <laughs> we're talking about is let's go back to uh, I don't know the fifties or the the eighties. Well, again, because I, like I said, we saying we say I keep saying advertising. Advertising is just, just like uh, a mirror to our world, really, mm -hmm. of what we've become as people. So you'll actually have to change, you know, so when we started like getting greedier, 
then advertising <laughs> was thriving, right? Uh-huh. So it's all interconnected, I suppose. You can't really advertising just a subset of us. So you'd have to change, go back to the time, simplify our lives, possibly where everyone's, you know, I don't know. It's like very hypothetical, very utopian for advertising to, you know, be that way, and it goes down much more to human values and the way we are as people. For advertising to then because what is advertising? It is not just like a room with uh, you know computers. It's people mm. running. The, so when people change, things change. I see. I see. Well, that's really interesting. <laughs> so Amit, do you have any other things here that you'd like to add, or maybe you guys would like to talk any other topics so we can do that if you have the time. No, I mean, it's a brief for all. Yeah, this this uh, only just going back to uh, you know I mean what I've been hearing about uh, the question that you asked for you know how advertising has been changing and uh, while while the conversation is happening I was just going back in uh, my mind thinking of you know how how things changed for me you know, particularly coming from like the interactive uh, uh, in the interactive experience side where initially while we were you know when we were doing flash at some point the whole focus was flash. to make something. Yeah, you know, that's uh, something which I, I've lived almost like I rode the way for almost 12 years. And at that point, what I see a very stark difference was um, we, we used to do work, uh, you know, using using technology to create something which was, again, digital advertising and to make things very pretty and whatever. And, you know, it was all about, you know, someone uh, you know, being on online and you know trying to uh, get that attention uh, on on the on the digital uh, you know uh, channel, and coming to the UX side, uh, you know when I when I've moved on uh, ever since the last five years, what I've understood or you know realized more is the empathy side. What uh, Satin keeps mentioning about you know that that needs to uh, the level of empathy that needs to go up, and you know where uh, the advertising needs that that has already happened on the uh, experience uh, side of things where, uh, and we can see that, uh, you know, the, the results are a lot more, uh, you know, focused and targeted where, because you're trying to understand the, you know, user and, you know, by, by that saying that in advertising, you're talking about the consumer, it is truly understanding what the user needs and only, you know, making and fine tuning solutions to things that, that we know that they really need. So it, it's very need-based rather than just creating something, uh, you know, which which was more entertaining and just pushing it out to them and trying to see whether can we sell that to them. Rather than that, it's really understanding. Okay, you know, this is what we uh, this is what we uh, found out by talking to like let's say a hundred people, uh, a little more, you know, a little more deeper than what uh, market research does because market research is purely based on. Uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. It could be purely based on numbers. But when you talk about user research, it is not just going skin deep and understanding what uh, you know what, what it is that they you know quickly understand within like a matter of uh, like a you know a result of a survey, but actually spending time and really understanding what they need, and then creating a solution to solve you know either that kind of a problem. So that that something is what what I think has helped. So the empathy factor is 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 absolutely you know as as a foundation. Uh, in 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 at least you know product development or you know creating products that people will really want and need, and I don't know whether that's something which you know uh, that empathy factor could sort of work in some way where advertising could uh, work to create something or or maybe uh, you know it, it you you the messaging is 
to actually uh, you know give things uh, which which uh, by, by understanding people like you know a little more research and understanding what people really need and having the advertising uh, you know speak that kind of language i don't know maybe maybe it's possible maybe it's not i think you i find that you find that in um, in a lot of advertising work already um, it's maybe it's plainly said um, UX is, is about the needs and uh, advertising is about the wants, but the, uh, the, the approach um, is, uh, is the same. But the, um, so you find uh, highly engaging, highly um, empathetic pieces of advertising everywhere and that's uh, what makes it successful. But I think the, the problem is, is the, the threshold um, where it, um, people would actually listen to. Um, mm. for, for an app or a website, you would remember the website uh, in terms of user experience only if something went wrong. Um, because you have expectations, you'd, uh, you know that uh, you want to, uh, to find something. If you find it, great. But it's, um, you're not uh, sort of coming out of the water to say, oh, wow, I now recommend uh, this app because I've, I've found what I was looking for. And the mm -hmm. same thing for advertising, when everything is um, talking about um, or to you in the, in the same way and it's all, all embracing and, uh, oh, my God, we completely understand you person and uh, here is what you need and here is what you want. Um, I, I don't think uh, you would get out of the, the water either. So it's, uh, the, the question is always, how do we change the, the underbelly of all of it? Um, right. So yeah, um, empathy um, is, uh, is vital. Um, pe putting people into the center of it, um, mm -hmm. crucial for, for anything. But the, the question is how to, to raise the, uh, the bar. Because, because advertising always, and the thing is, all these, we speak about all these words all the time. I mean, it's all empathy is there in like the planning decks, it's there in the creative idea, but the, I don't think it's genuine. So because genuine empathy would mean changing a lot of things from at all ends, you know, and it might even eventually might be probably making slightly less money than like everyone should in a way that genuinely has to like do something for society or the person in general, it would probably mean different things, but definitely I, you know, it's not to feel genuine empathy to even to inculcate that within oneself, I think is really difficult. So for an agency or anyone to a brand to say that I understand you and I get you, no one believes it. So to, for that, no, the actions need to speak uh, much louder than the words and brands that can successfully do that. I'm sure will have, will be there for the long term and agencies associated with those brands will be there as well. Right. Great, great. So, yes, uh, again, uh, if anybody wants to add something, otherwise we can end it here. I'm all out. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can have a next session if you want. Uh, we don't have to talk about advertising, so we can talk about, I don't know, Dubai, politics. I don't know whether it's something that you can talk about. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. But Google or thanks for the for the invite. Yeah, of course, of course. And thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. This is really nice. Uh again, um we're just doing this for fun. It was something that I sort of thought about maybe two months ago and then it's good to discuss these things because uh, you know, I've been in our field 
there's a lot of stuff that actually we do we all of us have been responsible for doing a lot of things uh, i don't know whether we always believed in everything that we've done but it just there when you're in it you have to do it but uh, when you you know it's not it's not always all right but it's important to talk about it so maybe someday you can someone can change it a lot of people feel the same way mm-hmm. because if you follow this guy i was talking about that george tanabin he posts he puts those videos up you know he's been actually mimicking uh, that publicist ceo lately you know he talks like mm-hmm. in a french accent and like you know he talks as this holding company ceo and then you see all these hundreds of comments below mm-hmm. of people in advertising outside advertising and everyone feels they know exactly what he's on about you know everyone feels it you are actually stuck in that sort of you know you're on that hamster wheel uh, and you can't you know and this figure thrown off you, or you jump off you just keep you know it just going so yeah it has to change it has to and i think i think it will i think people's people's behavior will eventually change it even if it doesn't because it will not change by itself people obviously it is consume you uh, people like us and other people who will drive that change eventually yeah i mean uh, having a discussion is something that is a start right so you sort of yeah. think what you know you haven't thought about no, that before i'm telling you you speak to like anybody a uh, lot of people i think even if they don't say it i'm sure feel it you know no one it would you'd be lying to yourself if you say it was all perfect and like you know we genuinely had the interest of like a lot of people truly at heart when you um, created that of work maybe maybe not you are speaking speaking this thing about change what satyan is mentioning one uh, very interesting article i i, I read uh, a couple of days back i'm hoping it is true where uh, it is actually forced someone uh, you know with, with a different kind of mindset like in mexico mm-hmm. uh, the the drug pushers and drug dealers they have such a great network of uh, you know logistics of reaching different places in the current pandemic in covid they actually have uh, dumped uh, the drug sales and they are using the same uh, logistics to de- uh, deliver food which uh, is brilliant Not the same so maybe maybe that that's i don't know whether they do, they're doing it like you know a corporate social responsibility even for drug dealers and that that uh, is pretty much true and these guys actually use the same kind of network to deliver uh, food and supplies to all people who are staying there so that change is very positive i mean uh, you 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 can you can still look up to things and you know pandemic strikes and people who are uh, you know ready to do that i'm very sure they'll get back to their original business when uh, everything settles down <laughs> our original business <laughs> so, everybody needs their drugs i guess <laughs> actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. no but um, there are many of these these stories um yeah. at a church in in berlin in germany mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. um posted that on the door to, uh, to muslims for e prayer and there are so many nice moments across the world that have happened over the couple of months that uh, yeah it's it's um it's amazing it's amazing it yeah, makes you yeah. really uh, makes you feel really good about uh, us as a uh, human race yeah, 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 kind mean, is actually really good um yeah, it's beautiful it, it, it gives you instill some faith and you know you know there, there is faith restored and you know there is there is still a lot of goodness i'll i'll, I'll say one thing because mm. i know i've heard this a lot in like uh, all because i've been part of so this holding the holding company in most of my career is when as long as the holding company's responsibilities are towards their shareholders mm-hmm. clients they should definitely have responsibilities to the clients but clients and shareholders that's all they say they very rarely do they say towards people consumers or whatever 
so when so that change basically yeah. and when your responsibilities actually are genuinely towards like your own people and the people you're selling your stuff to and your clients because the only people who should matter the moment your responsibilities are to your, towards your shareholders and that's all that matters then everything else basically is collateral damage when things go to shit you know always so i think uh, it is that that aspect has to which i don't know i mean because i think they all of them are so in deep into this very difficult for them to pull themselves out of it completely but you don't need like a big big holding company agency to be a successful uh, creative shop you all know that you know so any anybody who can find that sweet spot going forward brands and like those you know creative partners i think they'll be then there's a very very bright future I see. I see. Okay. Thank you so much for your time again. I mean if you have anything to add. Yeah, no. Uh, we should do another session. We have to do another session. Yeah. <laughs> session. It's this been has this has been a really great conversation I think. I think we have to do this more often I guess if you guys would like to do it. Uh yes, yeah, so thank you so much. Stay safe. Keep in touch. All right. All right. Thank you so much. Thank bye. you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.